Welcome to Daybreak Community Church. We are excited yesterday. The balloons represented something pretty huge last night. Last night, we celebrated as a church paying off our land loan. Uh, Pastor Glenn mentioned, and we're so excited to have Pastor Glenn as the site pastor here, uh, but Pastor Glenn mentioned that we're in this relationship. Well, what's this relationship? We are networked with a church in Calgary called Renfrew Baptist Church. in a similar thing. Right in the middle of a community. Trying to figure out how do we serve a community better. What network church means is that we share our resources. Doesn't mean financial resources. Doesn't mean land resources. We share our staff. In churches, one of the most expensive things is always staff. And even the last month, having Pastor Glenn and Pastor Robin and myself connect, there's been great times of synergy uh, and great times of going, okay, what can this actually look like? Uh, In a couple months, we'll be in the middle of Lent. We are going to do things together during Lent as, as Renfrew and Daybreak. We will have... Uh, Pancake Tuesday, Shrove Tuesday here at Daybreak. We will have Renfrew come. We're going to do a Journey to the Cross combined thing together. We'll do our Good Friday services together. We're really excited about what God has in store for us. I'm Pastor Matt. I didn't introduce myself. I'm Pastor Matt. I love, I love the relationship that I get to have with you and with Renfrew Baptist Church. So, uh, Last week, Robin, Pastor Robin from Renfrew, talked to us. Uh, it started off this one another series. Uh, he defined love like this. It was from 1 John 4, 7 through 9. He, he said, really, love is this. Beloved, and this is what Scripture says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love always comes from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was manifest. It shows up because God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. It was a great definition. Uh, Pastor Robin said this, that, that it, it clarifies any confusion about love because our love is like, I love the Edmonton Oilers. Thank God, thank God you don't get the gift that I will give Renfrew Baptist Church this morning of wearing my Oilers jersey, so if you want to watch the live stream, you can. Because today we're talking about bearing with one another. So I don't think there's anything better than for me to wear an Oilers jersey for 30 minutes so that they can bear with me about my love for the Oilers. See, love is from God. Love is God. And that love came to life among us in the form of Jesus. So John, as Robin said last week, is telling us that it's duplicated, it's reproduced, it's illuminated in Jesus. And Jesus became the image and bearer of God's love to us so that we may receive it, live in it, sing about it, read, experience the perfect love of Jesus. It was a great start to our series. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 5. If you don't, it's going to be on the screen behind me. Romans chapter 5 says this, Therefore, 
Anytime we see the word therefore in Scripture, it's there for a reason. (laughs) Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 2, through him we have gained access by faith, once again, into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Verse 3, not only so, but we also glory. This is like the... Paul did a great job kind of giving us the great, like, two verses. This is exciting. And then verse 3, he changes it and goes, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and the perseverance, it produces character, and character always produces hope. And hope doesn't put us to shame, verse 5, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This morning, we know this, that life is filled with burdens. Some of you this morning, and I would throw myself and my family, are carrying some heavy burdens. Lalita Tedemi, in her book, Cane River, which was about four generations of African-American women whose journey from slavery to freedom begins on a Creole plantation in Louisiana, said this, and this is so powerful for us this morning. You can't tell how heavy somebody else's load is just from looking. The Lord doesn't give us more than we can carry. Now, that's a great quote from a book. Here's what Paul says to the church in Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bear with one another in love. So what does it really mean to bear with one another? Now, I want you to be careful this morning that you don't look at your spouse and think that this is a message for them. Or even think man, I don't have any burdens that I'm carrying or need to carry. The Greek word, enchemoye, this is where we get the biblical definition that goes like this, to endure, to put up with, to suffer with. Did you catch that? To suffer with. This is a huge gift when we live in community. In the New Testament, the phrase bear with one another actually occurs 17 times in 14 different verses. If you want the list, send me an email. I'll send you the list. Some other translations would use the word instead of bear with one another, they would say this, forbearing. That's in the King James. Some of you might go, oh, forbearing. Showing tolerance for, that's in the New American Standard. I really love the New Living Translation that translates it this way, making allowances for each other's faults. Knowing we're all not perfect. Making allowances in that. See, God commands us to love even difficult people in our lives. I know that you don't think you're one of those difficult people, But more times than not, guess what we are? We are those difficult people. 
Colossians 3 verse 12 through 14 really is our key verse for this morning. It says there this, therefore, once again, it's there for a reason, as God's chosen people who are holy and dearly loved, clothe, when you get up in the morning, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Some of you are instantly going, I don't like that list, Matt. Bear with one another. And forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Then the zinger, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, these values put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Now, Pastor Robin and Pastor Glenn and I met this week. We were talking about different things. One of the the things that we realized was that verse is actually verse 13 of a 26-verse chapter. It's right in the middle. To bear with actually lands right in the middle of a chapter. Now, some of you do not like the middle seat on an airplane. You know, you're between two strangers. Some of you don't like being in the middle of traffic or being in the middle of a large crowd because you feel stuck, you feel annoyed, you feel uncomfortable. Or like a newfound realization in my life is the latter part of my life, I feel claustrophobic way off more often than I did before. That's the middle. In life, why do we actually hate the middle? Because our natural tendency is to be at the front. My sister's last name when she got married changed from Wilkes, which unfortunately is always near the end, to Ackerman, which is near the front. What a huge shift for her. Maybe she just married Darren for his name. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. When you're standing at the customer service desk and the person says this, just a second, sir, you'll have to bear with me. What that person is saying to us is, please wait with me. Please suffer along with me. Please have a seat with me on the frustration train as I try to figure it out for you. Our natural tendency, our natural response is not to bear with someone. There's also that middle of the book where the author has prepared you. He's led you to the point of understanding the situation, the characters, the tensions, the triumphs, and now you look in anticipation toward the end of the book and wonder how this will all play out. This is what Paul's saying to us. Friends, clothe yourself with compassion. Clothe yourself with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And if you've put on all those clothes, guess what? You can actually bear with one another. Bearing with one another is a part of Christ's character. And what does it say? It always leads to forgiveness. And above all else, when you've done all that, love binds it all together. It holds it all together. Man, that sure looks like Jesus, doesn't it? In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, it says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you actually fulfill the law of Christ. 
You get to represent Christ here on earth. You fulfill the law of Christ. See, as we continue to study these one another's, they'll form in us, each one of us, that as a church, we live life together. And as we live life together, we're devoted, we honor each other, we accept each other, we admonish each other, we greet one another, we serve one another, and we make allowances for one another. It seems natural to me that God's intention for the church is that we become a community where we bear one another's burdens. There's so many different burdens for us to bear. Burdens are a natural part of our Christian life. Unfortunately, Christians aren't exempt from experiencing deep burdens. Even great people of faith had their share of suffering. Consider Job. Consider the Apostle Paul. Christians can experience a variety of burdens. Our burdens may vary in kinds and intensity, but all of us have burdens that occur at one time or another. Just for a second, look around. Understand that each one of us has burdens. There's heartache and hard stuff in everyone's life. Some of you might listen to Charles Stanley. Here's what Charles Stanley said. At some point, all of us struggle with the weight of a difficult situation. It might be a sin we cannot come overcome, a trial that just doesn't let up, or a need that remains unmet. However, there is no need to struggle through it alone because we have the support of fellow believers as we bear one another's burdens. All right, so how do we actually do this? How do we bear one another's burdens? Back in Galatians, Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, we already read this verse, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. What are some of those burdens that we actually get to carry? For some of us, we're experiencing sorrow and grief. For some of us, it might be health. For some of us, it might be aging. For some of us, it might mean emotional difficulties or emotional scars from the past. For some of us, it might mean a difficult marriage. For some of us, it might mean children with special needs or children that have walked away from Jesus. It might mean underemployment, not enough. Or unemployment, it might even mean loneliness. These are just a few examples of the many kinds of burdens that people in this church are carrying. I'm sure that some of you could quickly resonate or create your own list. You see, burdens are deeply personal. Nicole Kaufman, who writes a blog, said this, We can't always take away suffering. We can't always pray away suffering. But we can always be support. Carrying one another's burden does not mean taking away the pain. It means holding them up and pointing their face that wants to look downward toward Jesus. Those are the burdens that a broken world seems to bring upon us. Well, that's good, Matt. But what else does bearing with one another or carrying one another's burden mean? 
it actually means dealing with the burden of sin. If you went to Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, we read that a couple times. Here's what verse 1 says. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves or you may also be tempted. Friends, there's going to be times where one of us is stuck in sin. If we actually care about that person, we have to speak up, not judge, but to restore that person back into community. See, God's restoration is always enacted with gentleness. Not harsh words, not rejection, not scorn. Bearing those burdens mean that we also point people to the truth and wisdom from God's word and challenge them to move forward in Christ. See, on one hand, it's about helping people navigate a broken world by carrying the brokenness of this world. And on the other hand, it's helping people navigate the pitfalls pitfalls of sin while living in community. All right, so that's the burden piece, but what is required to bear one another's burdens? It's not natural for us to simply start to bear one another's burdens because we feel like I got enough burdens for myself. I actually think that when we start to carry others' burdens, our burdens actually get lighter ourselves. But how do we carry one another's burdens? How do we bear with one another? It's we need to have a willing heart. Do you actually care enough to try to help someone who's hurting? The second piece, and this is probably more important for us, is we need to have observant eyes and ears. Are we aware enough? Are we close enough in community to actually know what's going on with the people that we have a relationship with? It's really easy. We need to spend time with one another. We need to have open and honest conversations with, another, with one another. We need to be a trustworthy person. All of this, unfortunately, requires time and effort. It's impossible for us to bear one another's burdens if we don't know who anybody is, and they don't know who we are. As we begin to slowly wrap up this message this morning... Let me give you a few statements on becoming better at bearing with one another. Remember back to our scripture, bearing with one another requires humility, gentleness, and patience. If you're a humble person, we'll all remember that we're far away from being perfect. And we won't expect people to be perfect. See, humility always emerges from ourselves when we realize who we really are. If you're gentle, you will be considerate of the feelings of others. Be humble and gentle even when you've had a bad day. If you're patient, you will be slow to react when others annoy you or anger you. You'll bear with someone. You may have heard me say this about the fruit of the Spirit. It's, it's not a salad bar that we get to pick from. You know, a salad bar or a buffet where we go, I like jello, I like this, I don't like that salad, a seven-layer salad, I don't like that, I don't like that. In Galatians chapter 5, where it says the fruit of the, the Spirit, Paul wrote these words, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here's how I used to read that list. 
I'm not very good at patience, so that's okay. I'm pretty good at goodness. I believe Paul wrote that as a progression. See, when I love, then I start to have joy in my life. And what happens when I have joy in my life, I actually have a great amount of peace. And as I have a great amount of peace, I'm actually patient with people. And as I'm patient with people, kindness flows from who I am. And as I'm kind, I always look at people and see the goodness of who they are. And in goodness, I am faithful because I want the community to survive. And out of faithfulness, I'm really gentle. And out of gentleness comes self-control because I'm not a rocket ship flying around. See, bearing with one another demands that forgiveness emerges as a response out of it. Colossians 3 verse 13 says this, Bear with one another. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave as the Lord forgave you. See, bearing with one another, another perseveres unity among the followers. Paul wrote that. It was so important. Paul kept writing that to the church in Ephesus. He said, make every effort, work your butt off to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Keep, preserve, hold fast. See, when we bear with one another, we have to remember what Robin taught us last week. God's love is our ultimate example. Hence, we can read in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, bear with one another in love. In the same chapter, in verse 32, it says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgive each other. Thank God that God's love is patient with us. God loved us by forgiving us. Let me tell you a little story. Some of you will remember this. On July 25th, 2002, nine coal miners entered the Quay Creek Mine in Somerset County in Pennsylvania. At 9 p.m., the, the miners were drilling when 50 million gallons of water released into their own shaft. It cut, it, it cut them off from the surface. In a desperate race against time, more than 200 rescuers worked to save the trapped miners. The men were trapped in a small chamber just over four feet high and 18 feet wide in frigid 55-degree Fahrenheit water. The area of entrapment was approximately 240 feet underground and about 1.5 miles from the mine entrance. In an interview, a spokesman said the miners decided early on that they were either going to live or die as a group. They were all rescued as a group, 77 hours, three days after being trapped in the mine. One of the miners said, everyone had strong moments, but at any certain time, maybe one guy got down and the rest of us pulled together. And then that guy would get back up and maybe somebody else would feel a little weaker. It was always a team effort. That's the only way it could be. The 55-degree water threatened to kill them slowly by hypothermia. So according to the news report, this is what one guy said. When one would get cold, the other eight would huddle around that person and warm that person. And when another person got cold, 
The favor was always returned. Well, what does that actually look like in the church? Do you know that bearing with one another actually leads to a second one another? Praying for one another. It isn't just saying a quick prayer before a meal. Praying for someone else would be called intercession. In other words, you could pray without interceding when you're just talking to God about yourself, your life, or about Him in worship, thanksgiving, and adoration. But intercession happens when you move past that and start to pray for God's will to be done in someone's life. Intercession, friends, is forceful. The actual definition of intercession in the Hebrew language is to impinge by accident or violence. You're like, okay, what's impinge? Here's what impinge means. To make an impression. Have an effect or impact. To infringe, to strike, to dash, to collide. So what's intercession? Intercession brings one thing into violent contact with another so that it's so hard that it makes an impression. What kind of impression are we trying to make here in Airdrie? What kind of impression are we trying to make with us at that called Daybreak Community Church, our home? We're trying to make an impression where we stand in the gap between God and man. And we say, Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, true intercession will actually cost us something. You make a mark when you move from just taking your prayers from mere conversation to real intercession. When the praying person becomes willing to sacrifice in order to get their prayer answered. Friends, sometimes that means you. That means you as the intercessor need to feel the burden so much that you can't stop praying. The depth of the burden forces you to pound God with your prayers until he moves on the other person's behalf. Sometimes it means you sacrifice by getting up early, or staying up late, or cutting out other activities in order to intercede day and night for someone or something, even when it hurts. Or sometimes you are actually the answer to the prayer. You actually become willing, if God required it, to lay down your life, to lay down people, to lay down your property, to see God's kingdom manifest in the situation about what you're praying for. See, bearing with one another's burdens actually carries a promised result with it. If we faithfully carry one another's burdens, then in Galatians 6 verse 2, we fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? It's the law of love. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. The second, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands hang all the law and the prophets. Follow that verse up with what Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. Galatia five, uh, sorry, Galatians 5 verse 14, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. The end of verse 13 says this. Serve one another humbly in love. So how are we serving one another humbly in love? 
by bearing with one another, by being stuck in the middle seat with one another. Bearing one another's burden is a great responsibility and privilege. Friends, it's a gift to this community when you actually let the community carry your burden. Jesus was a great burden bearer. He was a listener. He was a helper. He loved others. He bore our sin on the cross so that we could have the promise of eternity and hope. He set the example. We are walking in his footsteps when we bear one another's burdens. Well, let me give you one final statement before I run out of here. When we love and function the way that God has wanted us to function, we actually bear the image of Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. God, if I said anything that wasn't of you, take it from my friends' minds. If you used me in a small way to encourage my friends, make it about the Holy Spirit that prompts, guides, and leads. May you be glorified in everything that we say and do. May we actually learn what it means to bear with one another. May we carry one another's burdens. May we pray that your kingdom would come here on earth. May your will be done. We ask all this in your name. Amen.